Yes, Drac, how would you like me to introduce you? Um, oh, uh, Drac, the... I've never been asked this, honestly. Um, just drag. How have you never been asked this? You've been on so many I've fucking never, it's shows. I've always been like, here's drag. He, he's a two-chapity performer. Blah blah. I've never been asked how I want to be introduced. Wow, wow. People do better. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> treat treat drag better. Okay. <laughs> Ask drag how they want to be introduced. Hello, gamers! This is Games and Feelings, an advice show about playing games, being human, and dealing with the fact that those games will involve other humans. I am your host and question keeper, Eric Silver, and my walk on music when I come up to bat or when I'm walking into the wrestling ring would be mm-hmm. Dear Maria, Count Me In by All Time Low. But there is a cover of that by Sunrise Skater Kids that's in Japanese, and it makes it sound like it's an anime uh, opening title sequence, which is absolutely fucking incredible. Whoa, okay. That sounds so baller. It's really good. The the link is in the episode description. Y'all got to pause the episode, listen to it, and then come back. (laughs) And then come back. Okay, okay, okay. Please come back. Please, please come back. (laughs) Please, please come back. But... Professional guest Jasper Cartwright, what is your walk on music? Professional guest, I love it so much. Uh, my music uh, is going to have to be Thunderstruck by ACDC, because if I needed to compete in something, in anything, there is no song which gets me more hyped than that tune. So I would probably say that, just for the fact that I would be better at whatever I was about to do, having just heard that song. And I assume, much like ACDC, you're going to come out wearing a schoolboy uniform? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, a little hat. Like, what, I don't, dude, who what? even wears those hats anymore? You know what I mean? Uh, just schoolboy. But, but do they, though? But do they? <laughs> that's, like, that's my question. Do they? I don't know. I don't know. That's fair. I don't think they, I don't think they do. <laughs> right. And not perpetual guest, Drac. Drac, what is your walk-on music? Oh, I think, I think my walk-on music would be Uptown Funk. Um, sure. Nice. Uh, just something to get the whole crowd singing along. Uh, it'll definitely be wrestling. I'm not much of a baseball player. Uh, Alban is not much of a wrestler either, but I think I'd be doing a better job at that than baseball. Um, That's very smooth. I think that you're introducing yourself to everyone that, like, hello, I am the Uptown Funk here and I'm going to do it to you. Yeah. And there's, <laughs> you got to let them know. <laughs> I'm letting everyone know beforehand so they can't blame me for what happens next, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I walked in wearing all velvet. I'm playing the song. You should know what's going to happen. Whatever exactly. it is, it's going to be easy, smooth. Easy stuff. <laughs> More wrestlers need to walk in with like velvet sweatpants, yeah, hoodie. Absolutely, no yeah. shirt. A Bruno Mars hair, absolutely <laughs> perfect. Perfect, absolutely perfect. Uh, Dra- we have tabletop RPG actual play performer, producer, and writer Drac on the show. Hello, Drac. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah. Finally, I told Jasper. Jasper, you know all so many cool friends. Bring them on, please. And I did. Uh, Jasper was like, I got. You did it. say that, and I was like, <laughs> okay. And Drac was my first met, my first person, and came through. Immediately responded. Was like, yes. And I was like, that's why you messaged Drac first <laughs> because Drac gets it. And I'm um, also so. terminally online, so I will. Yeah, exactly. Plus, it. you're just always your your camera is always on. Your mic is always ready. Like, you, you, it's just like, a, like usually like a hey, give me two minutes. I'm just nipping to the loop, but then yeah, I'll be like, good. Hey, I'm washing the dishes. <laughs> give me like two seconds. I'll be there. You mean now? Like, just ask. like, no, we have a, we got time. Like, no, I can do it right now, Jasper. Right I now. Can go, I can go, go right now. I can go yeah. right now. We <laughs> asked Drac five minutes ago. This is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. <laughs> we haven't actually even asked Drac yet. Drac's that prepared. Drac I is just, just, just turned up and knew. Yeah. Knew we were going to ask. <laughs> That's how professional Drac is. It's a multiverse situation. A multiverse I think it's unfair situation. that you can access the multiverse to uh, create content. I think that's really irresponsible. That would be, oh man, such a dream. Because then I could just hop over to a, a universe where I'm not creating content and just like be there for an hour and it would be so yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. And so like unstressful. And then I could come back fully recharged having not lost any time. Wouldn't it be so like... I don't know what it would be, but wouldn't it be awful if you such a multiverse and in every universe you were just 
content creating constantly. Like you could not find one where you weren't a content creator. Oh, <laughs> like you were just destined. everyone you skip through. It's just like no, <laughs> why? I love the idea. Even the one where you're like a warlord, like you're like a space warlord in the future. And Jasper was like, "Hold on, uh, I gotta coordinate time zones to make sure I, I gotta record my actual play podcast." Hey, hold on, hold on. If you're a warlord, you're gonna have to make time to make propaganda sometime, and that's content creation. Hey. Really. There, yeah, there we go. This explains all the autocratic uh, information that's been coming out from Critical Role lately. Matt Mercer is taking control. Just of, he's cutting out like a like a state sized chunk of the United States. He's like, yeah, it's uh, I'm the warlord now. I'm sorry. I just that's it. That's it. That's a DM. That's now that stands for um, Democratic Master? Question mark. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> I guess. Uh, Incredible. Well, before we get into the advice questions, we got to talk about the games that are giving us feelings, where all of us talk about one game that we've been playing. It doesn't need to have come out recently. It doesn't need to be a video game or a tabletop RPG. It can be anything that we've been playing that is giving us feelings. Just talk about uh, the game that you like, and also make sure to uh, add an adjective, like you're on LiveJournal, to really make sure that people know the feeling that you have. (laughs) Uh, Drac, would you, as our guest, would you like to go first? Yeah, um, I recently started playing uh, God of War Ragnarok, the second God of War game. Hey, uh, nice. I was including the the original. Did you get that? Did you get that sweet, sweet trial? That sweet three hour trial? That's what yeah. I did. <laughs> I, I, I haven't cried in a long time until I played that game. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> like okay. emotional. Like Kratos is like my favorite archetype. I guess I realized I have mm. a thing for like. Gruff dads who are sucking Gruff dads, gruff daddy vibes. Yeah. yeah. That, let's not read into it. It probably has nothing to do with my childhood. <laughs> let's leave that there. We won't uh, investigate it any further. <laughs> um, but like, that has been, this one quote Kratos says, uh, it's, I think what really hits was that beforehand, Kratos would always tell Trace to close his heart to the suffering, that we need to concentrate, don't worry about the suffering, we need to fight. Mm, mm, mm. And then in Ragnarok, at some point, he switches it and tells Atreus to open your heart to their suffering. And that mm. broke me down <laughs> in, in, mm. while I was playing out to like put my controller down. It's like, give me like an hour. Ooh. I'll be good in an hour. I need to breathe. Yeah, I just need to breathe. <laughs> I've forgotten how to breathe. It, oh God, it hit so hard because I've always been a fan of, like I said, like the gruff parent softening up, but then doing it for their child. I think that's the manliest thing a man can do is to be soft for other people and for their kids. And seeing this character go from the stereotypical manly to the, in my opinion, true manly, um, was just a whole experience, <laughs> uh, just a whole thing. So definitely um, God of War Ragnarok has been the one that's making me feel the most feelings. Every so often I remember the quote and be like, oh, okay, it's just five minutes this time, that's good, but I still need to like let a little, a few tears off <laughs> real quick. <laughs> I'm glad you're feeling that way. I-, I felt like the rebooted Dad of War series <laughs> yeah, felt like a little bit on the nose sometimes because it's like, oh, we get it. And this happens in video games all the mm-hmm. times. Like the guys who were making video games who are now running AAA studios were like, oh, we're 20 somethings, we're early 30 somethings, women, Lara Croft's boobs, violence, blah, blah, blah. And then like, wow, I had a daughter and or a son, and now I have feelings. Yeah. So it feels really on the nose for this. But I'm glad you were affected. Like that someone was actually doing something, even if it feels a little rote, I'm glad that they got something that was effective for you. Yeah, no, I definitely think like it's, the reason why I'm able to call it an archetype because it is one. Like it, it, this is not the only media that does this. Like even The Last of Us is a really good example of that, where it's a little bit more down, I say down to earth is a zombie apocalypse, but down to earth, I guess in comparison, <laughs> um, even like The Last of Us does that. I just, I just think for me in particular, it does hit hard again for reasons that we're not going to unpack here. We're going to leave that box mm. shut. But I don't know. I think God of War did it in a way that I found more intriguing because I'm just a big fan of gods in general. So that was already a hook for me. And then having them, in my opinion, sneak Mm. in the growth of a parent, um, call me off guard in a good way. 
Nice. I think you should consider starting a side podcast, though, called Gruff Daddy Issues with Drac. <laughs> I think that would be... I'm just... I know you said you were going to unpack it, but I think you should make a whole podcast I should make it content. It. Yeah. I should make it you should, content. You should make that into content. Turn your therapy into content. That's what you should do. Yeah, Drac's not going to unpack it here because he's saving it for his podcast. I'm saving for it for the, the Patreons. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's very good. Uh, I have a game that is giving me feelings oh sorry mm-hmm. let me let me ask drac would you say that the adjective that's that you're feeling is just emotional yeah i think just okay. emotional <laughs> fair emotional. fair all right i have a game that's giving me feelings and that game is sonic frontiers the new 3d sonic game oh it Ooh. happened it and, happened good and the the feeling i'm having is wonder Honestly, now I had spent a lot of time obviously watching the build up and then eventual kind of sort of letdown of Sonic Frontiers. It's by far the best 3D Sonic game because we're not really counting the the GameCube era uh, of Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. It feels like it kind of exists on its own plane, but just by being competent is actually very, very good. So I've been playing it. I bought it on Switch. I got it on sale because I'm just like, I just want to play this. I should just play this. And the thing that is giving me wonder, because there are so many issues with it for sure, but the thing that's giving me wonder is I think Sonic Frontiers might be one of the best open world games I've ever played. Whoa. Not because of all the other shit. Like, like, if we're just talking about what the open world genre is supposed to do, especially in the glut of it, where every AAA game now needs to be an open world game, and just, like, tons of icons everywhere, and just struggling to figure out where you're going, how you wish you had fast travel, you don't have fast travel, you gotta walk all these places. Sonic Frontiers, I think, is actually achieving it. In the way that, like, I was wowed by doing this for Elden Ring and getting on the horse for the first time. Yeah. The thing about uh, open world games is that you run around and you find things and you do them on your way to doing the main quest. You know what's fun? Running around as the fastest hedgehog ever. <laughs> yeah, as a chicken plane, yeah. I think this really <laughs> unlocks when you start, you get your first speed boost, which does take a little while. There's a lot of currency bullshit happening, which is like the loop of the game is kind of sluggish. But mm. like, once you get your speed boost and once you really get acquainted with the boost button, which makes you do like a forward strafe, uh, and then you mm. go f- and then you run fast. Once you get acquainted with that and then you start jumping on all the rails and doing all the comp- that they've set up for you like it's a jungle gym once you start really getting through it and then when you get to the end of like a rail combo there's like a token of some sort which actually does move the story forward um mm. the way that it actually fits in the loop is weird and like you need tokens to talk to important characters that open up stages that gives you gears that give you then open the chaos emeralds that's that's stupid i don't like that <laughs> but running around as sonic the hedgehog and jumping and and bouncing off of stuff and then you get something at the end especially when you get you hit your ring cap and then you can do a super boost which makes you even faster when you use boost honestly it's the best traversal in an open world game that i've played since skyrim and maybe it's a totally different relationship mm. to running around the world than with Elden. wow that's interesting wow I did not see that coming. Yeah. When you said Sonic Frontier, I did not see that coming. It's 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 just this one thing. And I think it also, as I said before this, like when you think about all the other open world games that are like required, I think a really good one to think about is like what what is that uh, the Assassin's Creed one the Viking one Valhalla yeah Valhalla and then all mm. the other the expansions to Valhalla how it's just like yeah run around do this do this do this do this it's right here go mm, look over yeah. here look over there look over there it's just too much and every single RPG needs to be open world and I don't think that they need to honestly but like this actually needed to be open world because the one thing you have to do in a Sonic game is much like the Dixie Chicks or the Chicks as they're called now says Sonic needs wide open spaces. <laughs> Yeah, space space for him to make mistakes, and that's what we were finally given. And I really, really like it. That's mm. so interesting. I think that's the first good thing I've heard of Sonic Frontiers. <laughs> it is enti- every time I've heard about it, it's always been about how much of a letdown it was. But I think that does make sense because, at least for me, whenever I've had open world, it has always been like traveling is kind of the boring part. So exactly, yeah, being yeah, yeah, Sonic, yeah, yeah, yeah. just the essence of being Sonic and having these 
obstacles and basically, like I said, a jungle gym around built for you. I see why that would solve that issue. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I don't think this is a spoiler, but in like the fourth world, uh, I don't think this is a spoiler. So I'm I'm happy to share with this because I also the people who are going to play Sonic's Frontiers either are or are not. So, <laughs> <Yep>. but, <laughs> but in the fourth world, the whole thing is about going up towers, and I think and it, like you get really penalized when you miss something and you fall really far. But like honestly, the movement feels really good, and they're doing it in different ways. Like you're running in a 3D way, you're running in a 2D horizontal plane sometimes, and then sometimes you're going 2D vertically, and it feels really good. And I think that it's the first open world mm. to actually make movement feel really good. And I hope that people see it and maybe like experience it on sale <laughs> for, <laughs> for a good thing. And I hope that the Sonic team grabs that and runs with it and like kind of does away with all of the other bullshit stuff that holds down Sonic games, the ridiculous story, the characters, the the loop, as I said. There's like five different currencies. You can break the game just by fishing. It's really confusing. But at least but at least the running around feels good. And I am I'm happy for them. I'm I'm curious, do you think if they followed a similar structure for like a flash game, like uh the flash, do you think it would work? Yeah. Do you think it's like a very Sonic specific kind of thing. I think it'd work for a first Flash game. I think there's something about Sonic that like it endears themselves to jumping and to rails yeah. that mm. I don't know necessarily if the Flash would be into. The joke this is actually reminding me of is uh, Infamous. I don't know if you guys played that. It yeah. was like one of the launch games, I think, for PS3. Like, genuinely, did. what was so good about that game, there was like, that game was like fine, but the traversal mechanics were baller. The fact that you could jump on an actual railway and like b basically just w like use the rail lines, like because you had electricity running through you. Yeah. And right. you could just skate along the rail lines, or you could kind of like do this kind of flying, kind of hover thing. You can use big jumps, like the 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 traversal mechanics. I think I remember in the game we talk about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, the traversal mechanics in that game made it worth playing, and it's exactly the same way I feel about Spider Man, the new Spider Man games on yes. uh, PlayStation. Yeah. It's like those games honestly could serve me complete garbage in terms of the storyline. I don't even remember what happened in either of those games that I played, Spider Man or Miles Morales. But tell you what, I love them games. I love them because the traversal mechanics just rule so hard, and there is nothing more fun than swinging through New York and being like, I am Spider-Man. And I, I should imagine it's the same with Sonic Frontier, where you're like, yeah. I am Sonic. That's I'm actually, Sonic. it's weird how the traveling is the thing that makes you feel the most, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in touch with the character you're playing. It's like, the fact that you can replace this mundane thing that you have to do called walking with something <laughs> awesome, like swinging or speed running or whatever. Like, great. Love it. Yeah. Jasper, you make a really good point. I would say you'd have to look at it like Spider-Man does. Mm. But I think taking that kind of same vibe, Especially, uh, I, this is a game that's giving me the disappointed feeling. I was starting to get a little excited about Suicide Squad, the shooter that was going to come out right. um, from the people who make the Arkham series. But yes. like, it seems like it's just Destiny, which is mm. boring. Yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. The, the issue that I think we're seeing is that like these trends of 2018 the loot box shooter being mm. then having to be carried five years ahead because of how long it takes to build a triple a game. Yeah. That's the issue is like it maybe if they examined a flash game and looked at Sonic and be like, Oh, I really like what's happening. What if we fused what we liked about Sonic frontiers with what we liked about Spider-Man? Maybe we'll get something much closer to what a flash game could feel like. So Drac it's a very yeah. interesting point. Uh, do you want my game? My game, uh, very quickly, I haven't been playing a lot of games recently because life, uh, the game I've been playing is life and I think I've been failing because the emotion it's giving me is stress, but I have actually been playing a lot of, uh, Civ, Civ 6. Hell uh, yeah, dude. Because it is a game which I can play whilst I am tucked up in bed and my mind won't switch off and I'm like, cool, let's start a new Civ, domination victory only, <laughs> let's go, uh, so I guess the emotion that that is giving me is a release of some sort, a, uh, a, a expulsion of just like, uh -huh, I can't sleep and I'm annoyed. I've got all this work that I've got going around my head, but I'm way too tired to do that. But I'm not too tired to build Grease's specialist 
uh, Hippolyte unit and march <laughs> straight into this uh, city-state and wreck its house because that <laughs> that is something I can do at one in the morning when I can't sleep. So yeah, Civ Six, thank you for, for thank you for distracting me. <laughs> I respect that, Jasper. Can you figure out a way to fit Civilization Six into your vows? Have you figured that out yet? Uh, yeah, it, it's already it, actually my vows is mostly just about Civilization Six. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and my and my love for that game so it like it's gonna be a little i think it would be uncomfortable did jade not also love civilization 6 as well like okay, jade's sure. it's probably jade's favorite game like we play it a lot together um Aww. so like that's another reason why i like sif it's because we can play it together and we just we'll sit on the sofa watching binge watching a tv show and just handing each other the mouse backwards and forwards uh on our respective <laughs> turns <laughs> Um, and we usually name ourselves something stupid, like uh, on the TV show that we're watching. So that's yeah. awesome. Like that. That's cute. Little, bud. little little insight into my life there. That wasn't planned, <laughs> uh, but like I said, uh, it's it, life's coming at me hard. So it's it's nice to remember the good things. <laughs> uh, in my vows to Amanda, I did say much like using a polymerization card in Yu-Gi-Oh, we are better as the sum of our parts. So <laughs> I'm with you. I'm here with you. No. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, I don't know if I could get away with that, but I, I would love to. <laughs> I, I, I say I'd love to try, but actually it's not worth it. So I'm just going to say cute things and not have it be D&D related at all. Because if it were... That's fair. Let me tell you, woof, I wouldn't be on Games of Feelings all week after, put it that way. It's true. Oh, Amanda, um, listen, Amanda did get me back by intentionally starting her vows with Webster's Dictionary defines marriage as, and I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's why you're perfect for each other. That right there is why you're perfect for each other. It was, it was wild. Hey, it's Eric, and I picked up some snacks for games and feelings. I got chicken fingers in the shape of dinosaurs. Rawr. They go raw. A uh, quick programming note. Instead of Wifipatosidae next week, we are doing our live show. I was just at PAX East with the lovely team from Join the Party, and I got to do a live show of games and feelings with Jenna Steber and Merritt K. It was so, 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 so funny, and I really want to share it with all of you. I think you're really going to like it next week. Uh, everything else is the same. We're going to do the same cadence, uh, except with a Patasane, uh, we're replacing for the live show, and then we're going to go back into advice questions as well. Also, Jasper is going to uh, get married and go on a wonderful honeymoon whirlwind tour, and then into the United States. Uh, so he might not be on for a few episodes, uh, but we're going to kind of sort that all out. So appreciate Jasper while he's here, but he's not going anywhere. He's just taking a break for his wedding. If you want me to spend more time with Jasper, which I know I would love to spend more time with Jasper, I think you should be a part of the Patreon at patreon.com slash games and feelings. If we get 100 patrons, I'm going to go to Jasper's house in the United Kingdom and bother him. Uh, someone said recently that they, when they were envisioning this, they were envisioning me going, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. And I think that's really funny. So I would love to do that and record that for at least a few minutes for you and put it on the Patreon at patreon.com slash games and feelings. And shout out to producer level patrons, Polly Burge, Kelsey Duffy, and Megan Moon, who would make a perfect 3D Sonic game if they were trying, but they're working on other projects right now. And Sonic hasn't reached out to them, so they don't have time. If you want to hear your name read out loud, and if you want to be a part of the Super Secret Patreon Club, where you get your questions uh, mandatorily read because you're super secret and important, I think you should join patreon.com slash games and feelings. You should also check out the other shows that are part of the Multitude Podcast Collective. You might like Tell Me About It. Tell Me About It is a madcap game show about proving that the things you like are interesting and fun. It's hosted by me. Eric Silver, you've heard of me, and Adel Rafai from Hello from the Magic Tavern and Hey Riddle Riddle. Adel plays an eccentric billionaire who has created a terrible, wonderful game show so that people can prove that their favorite things are actually better than his favorite things, which is the movie Grease. In every episode, someone comes on and plays a bunch of games and challenges, and we all have a lot of fun. We have four episodes out. I hope you really enjoy it. It's been really wonderful. Moya has been on recently, and we had Janet Farney on as our second episode. So if you like all that stuff, I think you'll like Tell Me About It. We are sponsored this week by Hero Forge. Hero Forge offers fully customizable tabletop minis with dozens of fantasy species and thousands of parts to choose from. 
Their easy-to-use design tool lets you build the perfect miniature online using a fully 3D in-depth character creator right at your web browser. I have so much fun messing around, especially with their new coloring tool, uh, and they get really deep. I would love to read you just the colors of the eyes that they have. This is just the eye coloring colors. So first we have ones for common. They have blue, brown, gray, green, blue dilated, brown dilated, gray dilated, green dilated, and then blue contracted, brown contracted, gray contracted, and green contracted. But then there's more for different types of eyes. There are three different colors for canine eyes, four different colors for bird eyes six colors for uncommon which is a void teller which is kind of like a spirally pupil uh black red purple yellow and aqua then we have draconic eyes it's four colors for that three colors of feline eyes three colors of bovine eyes three colors of rodent eyes four colors of weird aquatic eyes and four colors of lizard eyes i want to shout out the green one which is for frogs which has a um horizontal pupil instead of the different ones the three gecko colors of orange blue and red which have vertical pupils which look really fucking cool visit heroforge.com to check this out for yourself and start designing your custom miniatures today check back often new content is added every week sometimes based off of what you tweet at them for example they just released nightmare and unicorn like full forms that you can design however you want i think you'll like it and now back to the games um, all right, folks, you want to get into some questions? I would Ooh, love yeah. to get into some questions. We haven't done any in weeks because we keep getting sidetracked on our solo episodes. <laughs> Wait, <just> really? <laughs> <laughs> well, now that Drax here, we can finally get into the villa and answer some villa. <laughs> No, no. Villa. Incredible. We say villa. I've never. I know, villa. I know. <laughs> it's that there, when there's like Essex folks on or like some very specific type of accents, they said villa really hard i'm and, from essex oh okay so the, i don't i don't know which i don't know what neighborhood or vi or accent it is yeah and like i also don't it's know a street if it's over like, from you drac it's a street over from uh, you. it's not yeah, like it probably if that's honestly, why it probably that's, is. <laughs> i try so hard to make this a uk friendly podcast <laughs> I'm, you I'm, actually, I'm, I'm actually offended i find it very funny but <laughs> i don't know no, what I'm, the neighborhood <laughs> is i don't know if it's like a spanish person who's also knows english i i really don't know but i know for a fact on the seasons of love island uk i was watching a bunch of people called it Vila. so i just don't know what it is I, i'm telling you questions let's go yes, before questions. we get into any more village yeah go, go, okay questions uh all right this is a great question from taking a dive question mark uh pronoun she her uh, i work in childcare with children from 5 to 12. Lately, there have been discussion amongst my coworkers about whether and how much we should let the children win when we play board games and card games with them. Should we be taking dives? And if so, when should we? Never. I agree, never. <laughs> never. As, as a kid, he learned to play chess from my older cousin. Um, she never let me win. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. Because you'd still suck at chess now. If they had, right? Yeah, I'm still, like, I'm actually pretty good at chess. I'm not like, I'm definitely no like expert, but I'm actually pretty good at chess now. And like, I've, and it felt good finally beating her because I'm like, okay, I know she was actually trying. I and I think that's, that's actually, Drac, you've hit on it there. I think you rob these kids of the genuine joy of games, like any kind of actual competitive game, right? Where you're yeah. actually trying to win against other people is like the, th the thrill of actually winning, right? If you let them win, they're not going to get that same thrill or buzz. They're going to be like, I kind of feel like you're doing this on purpose. Because let me tell you, that kid's going to go home to their dad or whatever, and their dad's not going to let them win. <laughs> like, their dad's going to beat them. They're going to be like, hey, dad, I'm really good at Scrabble. They're going to play, and this kid's out here writing fart, and their dad's writing these eight-letter words. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's going to oh, be no mean, mercy. Oh, farcical? I fucking nailed you, you yeah. fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, you idiot. And it's a triple letter. Let's go. <laughs> like... Oh, but 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 the miss from kindergarten said I was really good at this. No, you're not. You suck, and you got to learn the hard way. <laughs> so listen, I think we just got to be honest with kids. Yeah, but I I do think there's a way to win with kids. Well, you're saying that saying that they suck and they're terrible yeah, at this is not the way to do it. <laughs> Get dunked on, Timmy. <laughs> Get fucking dunked on. Here's the way your mother doesn't love you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> this is why you'll always be a disappointment to us. <laughs> That's why you get sent here during the day, not because your mom needs to work, but she knows you suck at games. <laughs> She's at home playing games with people that she likes, which isn't you. <laughs> wow. No, I do think, like, wow. uh, for kids, I don't think you should let them win, but if you do win, still encourage them. Even for kids, just leaving it at, oh, you lost and leaving is a bit hard for a kid, especially like what they said, five to 12. Um, yeah. So I still think encouraging afterwards is really important, but I don't think letting them win is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I want to like drill down a little bit because it's interesting you said Scrabble, Jasper, because that Scrabble mm. is a game that's like 95% skill. There is no reason why y'all should be playing Scrabble here because I think that's what opens you up to needing to take a dive. Mm. No, 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 no. You're right. I think you're right. I think that it also has to do with the games you end up that adults play with kids in this situation. I have a good example to me is Mancala, right? Is that like that is a game that's like 50-50 skill and and chance just from the roles you get or whatever. So I think it might be worthwhile to what you said, Drac, is like don't let them win, but they will win out of your control. If you're playing Uno, a lot of that is a lot of that is luck is just as much. So it's like maybe try to play games where it would be feasible for them to win even if you're trying your hardest yeah. i think would be a, a good way to set this up instead of like i don't know you know video game i don't know if they have video games at this is child care place but that certainly makes it a little bit more difficult unless you're playing mario party but still that's uh you that is skill based on some level yeah um uh, let me push back to, and, and let me bo- devil advocate on behalf of this child care worker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what if you beat a kid in a game and you say, well, hey, Timmy, great job. You did a really good job. And then they scream and cry and throw things immediately afterwards. That is what I feel like is a, is like, I'm worried that this is going to make my job harder is just because just based off of a card game. Okay, yeah, so fair enough. I'm going to say your job as a kindergarten teacher might not be to teach them, like, basic manners. Like, if, they, if they're if they flying off the handle this much, like, that's a conversation that needs to happen at home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. y'all need to chill out. So maybe, maybe in that instance, it's like, if it makes your life easier, fine. But at the same time, they also do need to learn to lose. So I'd be tempted to, like, win the game and then just be like, oh, look at that, my shift's over. Bye. Because, <laughs> like, I... it's important that they learn to lose. Yeah, I think, I don't think it's going to add much more work to your job because chances are they're going to be screaming and crying for other reasons anyway. This is just, like, one one extra thing that you probably do maybe once a week. I don't know. I think this is a chance to teach them that screaming and crying and throwing a tantrum isn't the way to go when it comes mm. to losing. Mm. Yeah, um, I would agree. I do agree, like, most of it should be on the parents, but if it's happening at the place they're learning, then you might as well teach them as well. Um, and hopefully it isn't too much effort, but I still don't think, even in that case, I still don't think losing on purpose is the way to go. Because I think it'll just, if you keep doing it, it will just cause, mm. it'll, they'll just throw tantrums somewhere else, really. Like, yeah. it, it, can it I, won't can really I, I want to throw out one last thing on this topic, though, which is that also don't do the other. Don't cheat against kids, because let yes. me tell you, no, yeah. they know. Don't. I. No, okay? I had a uncle-in-law once who we played Monopoly with, and he played it with us, me, me and a bunch of my cousins who were younger, and he cheated multiple times. We could see this brother just taking money out of the bank. It was right there, <laughs> and we were just making, looking at him like, I was like eight or whatever. I was like, what's happening here? Why are we, what? Like, I can see this, sir. I don't, I'm not yet integrated fully into society, but I know that you just take stuff that's bad. So <laughs> can we, and it, like, so don't do that. Cause that, yeah. I, I was pissed about that. Like eight yeah. year old Jasper was pissed about the fact that I lost a game because he was clearly cheating. Yeah. I was not I happy. think that actually might be worse. Yeah, 100%. I think cheat- yeah, cheating would be sure. worse than just beating them fairly. Especially if they find out, either it will result in them just being very upset with you, maybe to the point of just making more trouble with you, or to make them a cheater, which you really don't want because it's going to keep the cycle going for whoever else they play with. Yeah. Also, you, you sure do lose any sort of standing with this child 
going forward, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, imagine you, sure. I don't know if, or like you're trying to get them to line up or you're trying to get them to be quiet, being like, yeah, well, you took all the money in Monopoly, so I don't have to listen to anything you have to say. Uh, it's true. As yeah, kids will like, take any opportunity to be like, you are wrong because you did this one bad thing. I'll never trust you yep. again. Well, that's yeah. exactly it. If you let the kid become the paragon of morality in your relationship, you're screwed. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they're the ones holding society together because they actually have morals and you don't, yikes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I would not want to give a kid that much power over me. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> Are you saying it's bad to, you can't just like go up to a 10 year old and be like, actually, I'm doing a renegade run, so I'm going to do whatever you want, but you can be paragon. That's fine. <laughs> I don't know That's if that ki- if that kid understands a reference. Honestly, they're probably a pretty good kid. I think they're good. I think they don't need anything else. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're doing here if you played all of Mass Effect. I don't know what you're supposed to... I don't yeah, know I'm to teach you, really. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're the teacher now. Go ahead. What do you do, Shepard? What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, hey, Drac, do you have kids? No. No. Okay, three... Three dudes with no kids. <laughs> Do whatever, man. I have younger sisters, if that counts. Uh, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that counts. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, well, hopefully you found that helpful. Um, <laughs> let's do something. Let's do something that we really care about instead. Let's tell someone if they need to uh, continue to run their PC uh, at the end of a satisfying moment in mm. their Dungeons and Dragons game. Uh, I got a question here from Conflicted Cleric. Pronouns he him. I am a knowledge domain cleric. They they and I assume they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. That is obsessed with learning and giving praise and spreading the word of my deity by sharing said knowledge. Our party is on a quest to get a relic from a dragon. We are currently at a literal magic university with libraries of rare books and knowledge. As much as I love my character and want to continue the quest, I feel like this setting is where they would end their journey because they're literally a cleric teacher. How do I go about resolving this internal conflict? This is, that's really interesting. Drac, you go ahead. I need a second, I think. I think I need a second as well, because I don't think I've ever come across this. Okay, well, I'll jump in with something then, in which case. I genuinely think this is something that needs to happen more often. Like, we need to, like, normalize your character getting to a point where they're just happy. (laughs) Like, because there are a few scenarios whereby like if your character's whole mission has been like getting their family back and they get their family back unless the world is in an existential crisis like will end if i specifically do not go if my motivation is getting my family back i am ending my adventures as soon as i get my family back like that's the end of the road for my character and also like that's the satisfying end to the road yeah like i don't want to then get killed by a gelatinous ooze you know what i mean (laughs) i don't like for just like no reason at all other than the dm felt like putting a a little tricky combat in there so like I think absolutely you should feel well within your rights because not only that, but like narratively, it's probably one of the most satisfying ways that you can end is giving your character exactly what they've always wanted. And then if you didn't like that or you found that unsatisfying for you as a person playing that PC, then maybe you, sweet, you roll up a new character and you don't give them an easy to achieve goal. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? You set them up with like, I want to uh, grow a, billion trees you'll probably be in this campaign for a while if that's your end game you know what i mean yeah i i agree with you there i think the reason why i haven't come across this is because i usually don't give my characters achievable like easily achievable goals mm. so i have mm. reason to keep going with the goal of just like spreading knowledge and like now being confronted with a thing that is literally for that a magical library i think it makes sense for you to just have your character story end there the cool thing about that is that you can create a new character and keep going with this new character. And if at any point your car- your party needs to learn something, you could just go back to the mm. library and it'll just be For a sure. cool thing. like Or like just see how your character is doing. See what your GM thinks would have transpired while your new character and the party have mm. gone adventuring. Um, yeah. And I think that'd just be like a, just a cool thing. And an easy way to be like, I now have a contact. We, I asked as a party, have a contact in this important place now. Yeah, 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 for sure. I do want to throw out one last thing before I toss over to you, Eric, is franchises. That, like, you could, 
if you want it to continue your character in this instance, you maybe what you want to do is spread this knowledge to everyone. So you want to franchise this magical library <laughs> to other places. You want to set up a, you know, a sort of chain, if you will, of f f magical libraries that have a interconnected sharing system, you know, perhaps a fey database of some description. <laughs> a library branch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think maybe if you want to be a bit finicky in there, maybe that could be their reason for carrying on with the party is that they're going to go and every town, the new town they rock up to, they're going to go with a little pamphlet and be like, hey, <laughs> uh, do you want to be a part of this ever-growing library uh, concept? It's this great thing and you can get in on the top floor or whatever, bottom floor. You however. can be your own boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Business speak it, you know, pyramid schemes, run the whole gamut. You know what I mean? So don't be an adventurer. Sell encyclopedias instead. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Throw out all of your adventuring gear and just store magical encyclopedias, which you can sell to people at a price. But the, the thing is, they can then sell it to their friends for slightly more money. It's perfect. It's a perfect system. Uh, and it goes up the upstream, which yeah, is yeah, good yeah. For upstream, you. Yeah, exactly. upstream. That's what we want. And then you're a like knowledge domain cleric with tons of money. Nice, you have great. And then you can be. Hustle domain cleric. You know what I'm saying? You can be a hustle domain cleric. Let me. I think that this is a wonderful opportunity to figure out what happens next. I thought Talk you were going to say buy encyclopedias. <laughs> buy. <laughs> All right. New Patreon goal: games and feelings. Everyone buy encyclopedias from Jasper and I, and you can be part of our upstream. Can we make this a new tier, please? Just like a, a one dollar tier where you can get an encyclopedia, and I'll just it'll just be me uh sending you a video of me saying different words that's that's <laughs> no, the that's the it's the online encyclopedia <laughs> that's yes yeah we'll start doing that that sounds great perfect um i i think this is a wonderful opportunity to figure out some fun shit that is going to go on in your campaign let me just throw out the hooks that i've been thinking about since i read this question uh, mm. a little while ago you talk to your dm right you can Decide, spend some time at the library to see what's going on in the inner workings to see if you want to work there. You can, uh, and then you decide, oh, I do want to stay here, and your whole party needs to reckon with your character leaving. Or you're like, actually, this isn't what I'm looking for. The, the This is not part of my my deity's like path for me. I'm looking for something else. And maybe that ends up pivoting a little bit. Or maybe you did find what it is you're looking for, and your deity is mad at you that you care more about the um like the problems of men in a better way no other better way to say it than mm. the divine uh, pursuit of knowledge in general and writing it down in a book is not good and then maybe you have to change your class or maybe you lose all of your magic because of it maybe mm. you end up do leaving your character and jasper when you said franchise i thought you were gonna say like when cyborg was gonna run teen titans north then maybe you leave your character there and mm. then they start doing some other stuff. And then maybe you like 10 sessions from now, you go back to your original character and all the other people play different people and you go do a different sort of adventure at the same yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. That stuff's always fun. That's that's fun. Also, the fun. thing that Drax said, it's, you now you have a contact, which is incredible, yeah. especially if you're going out there and doing Super it. Super useful. All of this stuff is, is awesome. And I, I think that you're looking at this like you're if you're viewing this like an internal conflict with yourself mm. about whether or not you want to let go of your player that's fine yes but if in terms of this like ruining your story i think you're fine i really think that you're fine and just talk to your gm about this and work something out that you think is cool yeah for sure but just do whatever feels truest to your to you and your character i think like to to the extent like the dm might have something really cool planned but at the same time like if something feels particularly right for your character to do i think you should you know petition with your dm to be like i really would like to do this because i think that that's the only way that you actually get to a satisfying place if you're talking about ending a character it's like the one time where i will usually give free reign for my pcs to like talk to me about mm -hmm. world building and stuff because i'm very keen that like when it comes to them talking about their character and having ownership over their character that i want them to, i don't want to take that away from them by uh killing them in a way that's like really unsatisfying or like shipping their character off in a really unsatisfying way for them because like hey look you made this thing yeah. like i'd be annoyed if you just took the world away from me or fundamentally changed it in some way that i as the gm wasn't happy about so why would i do it the other way around 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, also, also, if you do end up having them stay at the library, you can just have them come back. Like this isn't like yeah. a death. This is just them deciding mm. to stay there. You could have them. You could bring up a new character, play them for a bit, and realize I kind of miss my cleric, and talk to your GM and be like, "Hey, can my cleric come back? We can discuss why they may have come back. Maybe, like you said, the deity mm. was like, "Hey, you need to do more than just." read and write you need to actually prophesy and tell people by word of mouth this knowledge and so yep. you can still find a reason to bring it back so i think trial and error like just trialing it out isn't a bad thing mm. yeah and like if you yeah especially if you don't connect with your new pc like that's the beauty of not playing a game that's recorded do whatever you want <laughs> like no yeah, one is totally. going to call you on anything <laughs> yeah you're just doing it for fun a hundred percent yeah i think that's totally fair Love um, resolve your internal conflict, but do cool shit with this opportunity. That's yeah. where we came down on. Yeah, it. yeah, absolutely. Do cool shit with opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jasper, it's, uh, we still have a little bit more of the episode to record, but Jasper has found his internal um, stopping point of this mm-hmm. episode, mm-hmm. so he's going to go to the library and stop. And stop <laughs> I'm going to go to the library, but uh, thanks for uh, for having me. I need to go and research some stuff about. Uh, I think called a pyramid scheme. I've just heard about it. Uh, yeah, apparently, I'm yeah. in one, and I need to rectify the situation quite quickly. Uh, look, look at MLM as well. Might be useful. Mm, yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. I'll check that out as well. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll do a bit of research on that in the library. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Drac, will you still stay for one more question? Yeah, absolutely. Woo! All right. Cool. All right, Sorry, Jasper, go sell, go sell my encyclopedias. I'm gonna <laughs> go sell you some encyclopedias. Bye. 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 <laughs> All right, Drac, uh, don't worry. I stuck Jasper with all the J encyclopedias, so we get the good letters. <laughs> all right, I have one last question. This is from Lost in Ravenloft, she, her. Uh, these are going to have some spoilers for Curse of Strahd, but I think even if you do want to play Curse of Strahd, it is worth it for you to listen to what we're talking about here because uh, well, you're hidden in the question. So Lost in Ra- Ravenloft, this is her first campaign of D&D ever. I joined a group of friends who are p- starting Curse of Strahd. Those of you know, it's one of the most famous uh, modules from Dungeons and Dragons, which is kind of set in like a spooky, scary area with Strahd, who's like uh, Dracula, pretty much. I was completely new to the game, and there was no Session Zero. As we played, the more it felt to me like this is a very misogynistic and ableist campaign, and I even ended up losing my temper when introduced to the Flesh Golem. I've expressed my concern, thanked them for having me, but excused myself from the game, as I feel like the treatments of the female NPCs are too triggering for me, but I got the feeling from the rest of the party that I was exaggerating with even someone saying it was the best module ever. Am I reading too much into the plot line of Strahd? Should I have stuck with it to wait for a story to pay off? My gut says no, but what the group said had me second-guessing myself. Thank you so much for any advice you can give. The first thing I want to say, because I don't want to put this on Drac to immediately answer the question <laughs> and say this as our guest, is like, first of all, if you don't like something, don't do it, right? Like, I want to say, regard. we're not going to... Uh, we, which I could, I guess, and I, Drac, I'm sure you're familiar with this as well. We could litigate of whether or not Curse of Strahd is problematic, but it's it's true. It's not worth it. The point is, if you are uncomfortable, you should leave. Yeah, and I think that that's fa- that's a fair thing that I want to lay down first and foremost. I 100 percent agree with that. Um, yeah. In my opinion, no D and D is better than bad D and D. True. That's Absolutely like, true. I, no, like, and I th- honestly, I think. I'm not gonna, I don't want to judge your friends, but in my opinion, if my friends made me feel like I was over-exaggerating or didn't take into consideration how I felt about the game, I wouldn't want to play with them regardless of whether or not I was overreacting. Because a lot of this stuff is fixable, I think. Um, the main, I, from what I can remember, because it's been a while since I played Curse of Strahd, from what I can remember, none of those actually important story beats are like reliant on the ableism or on the misogyny. They can easily be changed while still keeping the general story that I'm assuming your your fellow players want. So the fact that they're not willing to fix and change things, even just a little bit for you, I think is not worth playing because it's just gonna, honestly, it would probably sour your taste for D&D in general, especially if this is your first advent, like game or um, campaign. I would rather save for lack of a better term, rather say my first time 
for it to be a game that I'm actually <laughs> a game that I actually enjoy and the people involved actually care about how I'm feeling when it comes to what's happening in said game. Um, 100%. Yeah. Um, do you, now, I'm going to give, I 100% agree, let's give these people the benefit of the doubt yeah. in that, like, this. they obviously bought this book and ran a module because there are reasons why people run modules. You and I are professional creative people, yeah. <laughs> especially in the, the tabletop RPG space. People buy modules because they don't have time or they're not, like, creative, but they still want to play D and D. I yeah. think that the the Dungeons and Dragons does a very good job of giving of bridging the gap between no creativity and playing the game yeah. out of any other tabletop RPG that I've seen. Um like you don't need to have improv skills yeah, immediately exactly. to play the game. Yeah. So maybe maybe these people feel like they're that the book is um unimpeachable because it's in a published hardcover book. You gotta do what it says. Especially even if it's just flavor stuff, because when you play Curse of Strahd, you're in Barovia, which is, again, a spooky, scary area with a lot of horror elements that are uncritically kind of just dropped into the space. So, like, again, I totally agree with all the stuff that you're saying, question asker, but I I think that – it might feel harder than like, oh, well, wizard, well, it got published. I can't change any of it. And I feel like even if you're playing a module, someone needs to have their brain turned on, yeah. especially the DM, to be like, hey, let's change this for what we have going. Like, if you said this to me about a game that I was homebrewing, I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry you felt this way. And it just feels harder when that like a company approved this yeah. and you bought used money to buy a hardcover for it. Maybe these people feel a little more rigid, which is like a problem with, you know, capitalism and and just like believing companies when they say stuff. Yeah. Um, which is all which is a much more thorny issue um than just like your friends agree disagreeing, which that guy who said that this was the best module ever can fuck off. <laughs> like that sucks. <laughs> I don't agree with that. I mean I I mean obviously everyone has their own opinion, but I don't think it's the best module. Ever. And I think especially if someone tells you that they're uncomfortable with it, for you to retort, this is the best module ever, is kind of a dick move in my opinion. Such a dick yeah. move. But if they're stuck with, if they want to do Curse of Strahd's, um, I quickly looked this up because I, I remember remember seeing this, but I couldn't remember the name of it. There is um, a module it's, uh, a, by indie publisher, um, I believe their name is Beth the Bard, and they mm. have a Curse of Strahd, like, Addition, you can play on top of Curse of Strahd that helps replace a bunch of NPCs and make it a little less misogynistic at the very least. I don't know how well it does with the ableism. I haven't been able to play it myself, but I've seen some people play it. I'm called She is the Ancient. And it's basically a gender-bent Curse of Strahd. And they pull out a lot of the very misogynistic bits and pieces from it. Um, I recommend checking that out. At the very least, maybe suggesting that to your GM if they still want to really want to do a Curse of Strahd campaign. And maybe hopefully that will be enough to bridge the like differences that all of you seem to want in your games. But I, at the end of the day, if they say no and they won't change anything, no D&D is better than bad D&D. For sure. How do you feel about modules? Have you ever used one before? Yeah, I've I played in one. I played in a Ram the Frostmaiden uh, mm. module and that was a lot of fun. I think modules can be really fun. I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I think they're just as um, like fertile for creativity as going homebrew. So I, I definitely see a lot of people seem to um, hold homebrew higher than modules or vice versa. Honestly, a lot of the games I played modules in, I wouldn't have really been able to tell the difference between a module and a homebrew. Because I think oh, yeah. the biggest thing, with at least for the GMs I played with, is that they were flexible to just change things on the fly for it to fit whatever character we were playing or whatever setting we were tra- or genre or tone we were trying to play at. I think, I, I agree with you, Wizard of the Coast, D&D does a really good job at bridging that gap, making it possible to be like, I don't have to time to make 13 countries, 12 different right. like <laughs> um, ancestries of my own. I'm going to pick this up and play it and run it for my friends. And I think if you're, if you're just trying to get into DMing or trying to get friends into just playing, I think modules are probably the best way to go. For sure. Uh, yeah, I I feel just frustrated a little bit on this person's behalf. Yeah. They're like, they wanted to play this game, and then they got thrown into something that they didn't like. And, like, I think leaning on a module is a hard sometimes because you end up doing 
almost everything that you are going to do in the module. Like, I, that's the expectation that you need to have every single thing defined before you get into your game. Yeah. Like, why don't you just start small, and then by session 50, you'll know what's going on in your world, right? Yeah. Like, honestly, I think that modules kind of reinforce the idea that, like, DMs and GMs are, like, magic, and then that all that does is force the same person to be the GM or the DM. That's a good point. All yeah. the time, so that no one wants to step into it, so it seems scary. And I just don't understand it. So I think that, like... If you can get to a situation, and maybe you just need to find someone else to play with. If these are like, first of all, don't go back to these people. If you, yeah, but if you end up going to someone, you need like everyone needs to have their brains turned on, and I think the module tells them that they don't. And maybe in the and I've never played in a module game before because usually everyone who's doing it like, no, I'm excited to come up with some stuff. Yeah. And really, the only thing separating a module DM and a homebrewed DM is, like, the ideation process, right? Like, you got to still run these people yeah. and come and come up with their voices and thread the story together. But, like, a book is—all the book does is give you the 5,000-foot view when if you just want to focus on your small town, you can, and maybe that will scare you from doing it. So, like, I don't know. I, I, I understand why people use modules, but I think it is also an excuse to like create forever DMs and make sure everyone's like, no, I don't want to think about anything when I'm playing it, when I'm playing this game, which is like, then go play video games, my guy. Like, that's why they exist. Yeah. That's why board games exist, <laughs> is like, you, you don't need to think about anything. Yeah, no, I, I do think there is like a difference. Because, for example, the, the games where I played a module in, the GM had run homebrew games before. So they really had the mindset of, this is just a like floor plan. I can zoom into wherever I want and I feel comfortable zooming into that section and fleshing it out myself. I don't know, for people who don't have improv skills, because um, at the end of the day, improv is pretty hard. <laughs> like it, it doesn't sure. always come naturally to everybody. And I think taking it baby steps is always helpful. And I think having a module helps with that. Because at the very least, the module gives you like prompts. It tells you like, this NPC right. is grumpy. Okay, cool. I know like I can play a stereotypical grumpy character and play this out. And then like from there, maybe just start to take their own steps. Because at the end of the day, the module is there, but the players are not in the module. The players exactly, do exactly. the wildest thing. So regardless, you're going to be made to um, improv on the spot. And I think the module just gives you enough of a support that you can be like, okay, I'm going to only have to improv what the players do, not necessarily what characters they might come up against every single time. For sure. Only maybe 50% of the time, which I think is always helpful. Yeah. Uh, I, I know that we ended up diverting a little bit and like <laughs> giving advice to these people who don't give a shit. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. But like, yeah, you're you're very valid. Yes. Uh, you're very, very valid. Um, lost in Raven Loft. And I hope you end up finding a new group. And yeah, if you know, this might maybe this will encourage you to find a game that's exciting, or maybe you'll end up just throwing yourself into GMing yourself. Or yeah. listen, they're also. I'm as uh, Drax said. If this is your first time, maybe you need to wait for the right group. Yeah. And in the time being, feel free to play one shots or one page RPGs or more rules light RPGs, just so that you can get your like role playing fix in as you figure out if there is a campaign waiting for you. Yeah. Uh, for your one special moment. <laughs> uh, all right. Wonderful. Uh, Drac, thank you so much for coming. You were Jasper's friend, and then he left. <laughs> and then uh, you, Jasper just left you alone with me. But I'm so glad that you were here. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. You know, it was great. Uh, I was, it, was having, it was fun getting to talk about all this stuff. Of course. <laughs> Listen, you never get a chance to talk about all the different types of games at the same time. That's, yeah. That's our our promise here at Games and Feelings. All the different type of game and one encyclopedia free. <laughs> we never download. You get another one for half the price. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll ship you two. We'll ship you four. Just give us four payments of nine ninety five. Uh, Drac, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Draconics. That's D-R-A-K-O-N-I-Q-U-E-S. I stream on a bunch of different channels and stuff like that. So follow me on Twitter is honestly the best way to find out where I am at any given moment and what projects I'm working on because I have quite a few I'm working on that I can't speak about, but we'll soon tweet ooh, about. Ooh, that sounds fun. 
As always, you can find me on the social medias at L underscore Silvero, E-L underscore S-A-L-V-E-R-O. My name, if I was a Lucha Libre wrestler. You can follow the show Games and Feelings on Twitter and Games and Feelings on Instagram. You know, we didn't have enough characters on Twitter. Elon Musk <laughs> would let me have it. It was the worst. Uh, and that's the one bad thing about him. Everything else is fine. Oh, obviously. totally. Yeah. He's totally good in uh-huh. every other way. He just <laughs> oh, the character limit. We have been so- <laughs> Sarcastic, please just be. We are very so sarcastic. So yes, sarcastic. we're being very sarcastic. Uh, remember, keep sending in questions. You can send questions on the website, or you can check out the link in the episode description. If you are ten dollar patron or above, you get to use the special patron question portal, where you get preferred access for questions. People are still sending in questions. These are great. A lot of these are new, uh, but we could always use more. Especially if you want to send in sports questions, where Jasper and I do a sports only games and feelings well drac thank you again thank you so much for answering questions here and remember the instruction guide doesn't have anything about feelings goodbye bye bye (laughs) (laughs) games and feelings is produced by eric silver and edited and mixed by Misha Stanley. The theme music is Return to French Toast Castle by Jeff Bryce, and the art was created by Jessica Boyd. Find transcripts for this episode and all episodes at our website, gamesandfeelings.com. Until next time, press X to enjoy the podcast. <laughs>